Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. How are you? You good? Everybody good? Good, good, good. Well, God bless you. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you, all of you that are with us uh, online as well. We're so grateful uh, to have the opportunity to reach and to touch people, hundreds of people all over the nation. I believe there's 40 different states that watch, uh, different people watching from different states. So thank you. God bless you. If you live here local, we want to get to know you. We want to spend time with you. Don't stay at home. If you have the ability to get out, get out, come, and be with us here at Oaks Church in person. There's just nothing like uh, being in the house of God with the people of God. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, we're talking about shine today. We're continuing our series on this, and I'm excited about this. I am very excited. Um, Pastor Adam and Travis mentioned the haunted house message. Uh, Again, this is an opportunity for you to invite people. We're talking about shining the light of Jesus. We've been talking about using uh, your gifts and your abilities to share the love of Jesus with people. We've talked about how you were designed to shine. God actually made you. Uh, We're jars of clay, the Bible says, earthen vessels, but he puts his spirit inside of us, his glory inside of us, and you were literally made to shine. We've talked about how the presence of God, if you have any lack in your life, uh, the presence of God is what fills that lack. You have the opportunity to have your needs met in every way, shape, and form by the power of God coming into your life, and he meets your needs. There's nothing. Your heavenly Father has access to everything you need, and in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So what we're trying to do with this idea of having a service called Haunted House and Illustrated Message is to create an environment that's a little easier. You know, 25, 30 minutes of worship is a little um, awkward for certain people that aren't used to that. Some people would say, no, nah, I've, I've, I've done with church. I've, I've experienced church. We're going to try to create an experience on that Sunday morning that is different than the normal church experience for people that maybe you could say, it's just, it's, sometimes it's just a little hook to say, you know what, uh, this is like something, you, this is not any church service you've ever seen before. This is going to be completely different. It's called Haunted House. It's going to be wild, crazy. You're going to want to be a part of it. Now, please understand, we, we, we're not going to be like Circus Soleil. I don't have that ability up here. Don't expect aerial acrobatics or anything, but it is going to be an illustrated message, and it's going to be powerful. The idea, the premise is how God has a dream for you in your life, a dream that he's spoken, and how we have a real enemy, and the enemy wants to turn God's dream for your life into a nightmare. And so we're going to seek to illustrate how the enemy tries to create a nightmare experience for you, but how Jesus Christ the Son of God, can turn that nightmare back into the dream that God has for you. Amen? Amen. So join with us. Be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. Today, I want to talk about the overflow anointing. The overflow anointing. That word, anointing, is kind of a weird-sounding word, definitely a churchy-type word. Um, Certain churches would use it more than others. The, The word anointing literally means to be smeared with oil. It represents being smeared or covered with the presence of God. In the Old Testament, they would anoint, and even in the New Testament, they would anoint, and they would take the oil and they would smear it on. When we think of the Lord as our shepherd, I shall not want, he anoints my head with oil, it says. The shepherds would take this salve and they would rub it inside, and the the, the fragrance on it would keep the bugs away, and they would put it inside of the ears of the sheep so that the bugs could not infiltrate the ears of the sheep. 
So it's something that is a beautiful picture as the Lord is our shepherd, that his presence can anoint our head, can keep the enemy from being able to permeate into our brain, right? And so I would encourage you, to be open to the anointing, be open to the presence of God. I think that our church as a whole is definitely open to that, but we're talking about overflowing. And when we're thinking about shining and shining the light, we want the light of God to be so powerful in our lives that it literally overflows out of our lives and impacts the lives of people around us. I don't know what you think about when you think about the word overflow specifically. Uh, you might think of your junk drawer at the house. Uh, you might think about uh, your sock drawer or a closet. Or you, you ever, when you, when you were young, do you remember uh, when you were told to clean your room and you would just cram stuff somewhere and then wedge into it and get your closet and you were afraid that if you would open that closet, everything might fall out? Anybody still do that kind of thing? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, hopefully not. Um, but I have a specific memory when I think of overflow and it's connected to um, my youngest daughter Blakely and when you're the pastor's kid it's just par for the course stories are going to be told about you that you don't want told but this is actually a cute story uh, Blakely Blakely had from the very beginning had an incredible sense of style design she was the she was the baby the one-year-old 18-month-old baby that was all up in mama's makeup uh, all the time, all up in it. She literally would paint her own nails two or three times a day. If we ever, she ever disappeared, we knew she had gotten into the cabinet and she was in there trying to paint her own nails. We made some messes along the way, but she had a sense of just style and fashion. By the time she was four or five, she would literally be in the closet and I would be trying to get dressed and she would say, no, daddy, not that shirt. That one doesn't go. She just had, and she always would dress. She, it, was, it was never a negotiation. She was gonna dress herself the way she wanted to dress herself, and she was going to make sure that you looked good too. Uh, Jennifer would call her her little personal assistant because uh, she would remember everything, and she was so compliant and so sweet. And, and, and so one day, this, her, her talents for fashion design began to shift toward interior design. And we were on our way to church one morning, and it was, it was early. We had a lot of services that day, and Blakely was so sweet. She was upstairs doing something, and we were all trying to get in the car. My parents were in town. We were actually leaving the next day to go to Israel for the very first time. I think she was maybe five or so, and we're hollering upstairs, Blakely, come down. It's time to go to church. And in her sweet little voice, she was always so compliant. Uh, you know, She was like, okay, okay. And she comes running down, and she's all happy. Uh, we called her the, the magical unicorn because she was always in a good mood. And she was never grumpy uh, or, or and she was just always happy and easygoing and all that kind of stuff. In the name of Jesus, how they are at three is how they are at 13. So I'm glad we had a happy little one. Uh, that, was, that was really wonderful for us uh, in our lives. But um, she comes running down and she jumps in the car and, and I, we were like, what were you doing? She's, I was washing my hands. And so we go off to church, and there were three services that day, and we went to lunch afterwards. We came home after being gone about eight hours and walked into the house, and instantly we realized something was wrong. There was water in the kitchen. There was water in the living room, water in the formal dining room. Look up, the whole ceiling is bowed in, and there's water literally running out of every light socket, water coming out of the walls. Uh, and, and we run upstairs, and sweet little Blakely had initiated a an interior design project, her very first one. She had pulled up the drain plug while she was washing her hands and when we interrupted her, she forgot to turn the faucet off or unplug the drain. And so she did $30,000 of damage to her house. 
But we got all new floors and we got new walls and we got new paint and we got new carpet. We literally were able to do $30,000 of renovations. It probably added a significant amount of, of increase to our house. But that's what I think about when I think of overflow. I think about water pouring out, water flowing out. I think about it making a mess in my life. But we serve the God of overflow. There are bad overflows in life. There are bad expressions of abundance in life. There, there, there can be too much of a good thing sometimes and definitely too much of a bad thing. You ever had a season where bad things were overflowing? And one of those seasons where you're like, you know, at least this hasn't happened yet and you're looking for wood to knock on. You know, not that we believe in superstitions or whatever, but sometimes you just try anything, right? Just please, you know, help something somewhere, somehow. I've been in seasons where it almost got comical. You're like, certainly nothing else could go wrong in this season. But we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of overflow. There are story after story in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 14 says, multiplying, I will multiply you. He's a multiplying God. He's not looking to just add a little here, add a little there. God is a God of multiplication. Psalms 23, I mentioned earlier, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God is a God of overflow. Luke chapter 6, 38, it says, give, if you give, it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap. He's a God of overflow. John 10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. He told his disciples in Mark chapter 10 that if they left their family for his call and on his behalf, they would receive back a hundred times in this life what they walked away from. Oh man, have you ever walked away from something for Jesus? Walked away from something because of the call of God on your life? Jesus promised a hundred times more you'll receive from your father in this life. And then he said, and in the life to come. We serve the God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. My style of ministry or teaching or preaching is an overflow style of ministry. You, you may notice at times that it's really personal to me. It's really emotional to me. Um, a lot of times the things I'm sharing with you is, is what the Lord is dealing with me about. And that's my personal philosophy. I, I, don't, I don't just make a list of things and say, oh, here are the good things to talk about. I don't go, I don't know if this website exists, but I'll make it up. Sermons.com, I'm just making one up. Maybe it's real. Uh, but I don't go look for good sermons and, ooh, that would be a nice thing to talk about. That's not how it works for me. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't personally appreciate frozen dinners. And I don't want a church where you come and get some kind of regurgitated baby food or frozen dinner, warmed up fish sticks. My God, whoever invented fish sticks should be shot. Disgusting things, fish sticks. It's not the kind of church I want to be a part of personally. I, I, I'm experienced and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the legacy of ministry that I've been able to be a part of in times Throughout my life, I, I've, for whatever reason, the Lord saw fit. I was always in churches growing up all the way through my life where there was an authentic voice of God in that house. 
an authentic voice of God. Not someone just picking ideas and stealing ideas and re-preaching other people's things. Did you know that's one of the things they said was so different about Jesus? They literally said the other rabbis just quote each other. But you speak as one who has actual authority. Was the distinction. We, we live in a city that has so many great churches. And I'm friends with so many of these great pastors that are in our city. If you ever come to me and say, I'm thinking about going over to this church, I might encourage you to do it. Because I know the pastors there and they're great men of God. And many of them are incredible, authentic voices. They hear the word of God and they deliver the word of God. And it is a powerful distinction that's different. I have a friend right now that's in a different city uh, has been a part of, of Oaks Church and, and the churches we've been a part of and now is in a different city looking for a church and they're like, you, this person's like, you don't know how good you have it at Oaks Church because we have an authentic presence of God here that's powerful and unique and I'm grateful. And, and realistically, it's not just because there's a great pastor or a great worshiper, it's because there's great people it's because there's great people that are seeking the presence of God, seeking the face of God, seeking an encounter with God. Your faith pulls out something different in me. Your faith impacts and affects me. Did you know that the faith of the people in the room affected Jesus? There were times where Jesus would kick people out of the room and only let certain people stay in because other people's faith wasn't right for what he needed to do. There were times where he went into a place and was actually in awe of their unbelief and said, I can't do any great miracles here because of your unbelief. You're limiting what I can do. You can limit what Jesus wants to do in your life by the level of your faith. I don't know about you, but I think God wants to do more in us than we even understand. We serve a God of the overflow. I want to talk to you today about how to live a lifestyle of overflow in abundance, specifically with the presence of God, because it is the central factor that's going to make a difference and a distinction for every single other thing. There's story after story in the Bible of people being chosen to do something vocationally because of the anointing of God that was upon their life. People like Joseph, people like Daniel, that God used in his presence on their life opened up opportunities inside of the business world or the secular world because God is about influence. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God wants to influence the world around us and he wants to do it through us and he can't do it with empty vessels. Do you ever feel empty? You ever feel like you're running on empty? Man, you might feel like you're running on empty right now. Someone gave me a really good book a number of years ago, and it was called Leading on Empty. You, you can be in a position where life has drained you. I've had seasons of my life that were so draining 
that I literally just felt empty. I felt like I was running on fumes. I was so tired. I was weary. I was just, I've been beaten down in different phases or seasons of life. Can you relate to that? But I can tell you how I feel now in this place where I'm in a very, very consecrated or dedicated season of prayer and even fasting. I don't feel weary at all. I have so much energy. I have so much zeal. I have so much passion. And the only thing that's different is the amount of time I'm personally spending in prayer and worship. It's changing me from the inside out in an incredible way. Have you ever felt like you used to be more passionate about God than you were were currently? I I remember being just, I, I remember someone, it was an older believer that was irritated by a brand new believer that was just so full of zeal and excitement. And they're like, don't worry, son, you know, that'll wear off one day. As if that's a good thing. We need to have the zeal of God in our life. We need to have the life, the the, the freshness of God, the passion of God in our lives. And we can get numb to the presence of God. Our light can go dim. See, you, you are the priest of God in your own life. You don't get to take Pastor Joel home with you. You can watch on a podcast or something like that, but you're the priest of your own home. You're the priest of your own life. And it's your job. Did you know that one of the main jobs of the priest was to keep the fire of God lit inside of the house of God? Your heart is the holy of holies. God lives inside of you. He doesn't live in this building. He lives inside of you. What makes this building special is when we all come in it together. And and, and it's the presence of God inside of you, inside of me, inside of us that synergizes. That's why it's so important to always join and gather together with the family of believers. And don't allow yourself to be isolated and separated and, and off on an island alone. We need to be in the presence of each other That's why we gather on a Sunday and then we go out to conquer the world during the week and then we come back together on a Sunday. We come back into our small groups. We come back into our serve groups, our study groups. Why? Because it's charging. It does something to us. I remember it was an interesting time going through the pandemic and as a pastor, being home on Sunday mornings, a pre-recorded message that we made on Thursday, edited it, pushed it out because we, we were too young. We hit, we were only a year old. We barely had a Facebook live up. I and mean, we, had, we had one camera sitting there. If anybody wasn't there, it was a Facebook live, one angle. There was no lights. There was no camera. There was no action. There was no, it was literally a computer shot. And all of a sudden we had to become a, an online church overnight. We had one week to figure it out. And I remember on Sunday mornings being home going, it's kind of nice. Never done this before. I, I grew up in a household where, where unless you had a body part falling off, you're going to church. That's how I grew up. Does your arm off? I, I mean, my parents were like, mom, I got a headache. God will heal you, just go to church. Mom, I got, I got emphysema. God will heal you, just go to church. Mom, my head's off. All right, you can stay home today. Don't have a Bible verse for that one. 
Man, multiple services on Sunday. Two, three. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bitty guy all Sunday, all day long. Back on Sunday night, Wednesday nights. Now it's different, the world we live in. I, I, I talked to somebody a while back. He was like, oh my God, I love your church. Man, I was there. That when you, this, That's my church, man. You're my pastor. That's my church. I'm like, really? That's awesome. What's your name? They said, oh, the, the, this and that. And that. Man, I've been there. I remember when you did this event, it was so incredible. I'm like, oh, you were there for that? Yeah. I said, was that the last time you were there? They said, yeah. I said, that was five years ago when we did that event. And in their mind, they're with us and they're in this thing with us. And this is my church and that's my pastor. They hadn't been there in five years. It's a different world, and this pandemic era has given people the option to be like, I remember one of the funniest little videos that came out was the whole thing where there's a wedding, oh, can't go, pandemic, and they're all excited about all the stuff they get to skip. And people are still skipping. And if you're not careful, you can end up running on empty. Because there's something that you need in the house of God with the people of God, and there's a difference and a distinction. It was hard preaching to a camera in a room. I had to have our staff in there cheering me on a little bit and give me an audience. And by the end, I got actually good at it. I just began to pretend I had people in the room. And I would pretend that people were saying amen. And I would pretend that people were responding to a joke. And I got, I got really good at pretending. But then I remember that first Sunday when we got to come back in the house of God and we got to worship together and it felt so good to be in the house of God with the people of God. You can forget what it feels like to be in a place of concentrated anointing. We need it. We need it. So many stories in the Bible of people that just overflowed. Even going through tough times. You know what? Sometimes it's, it's the tough times where you see what you're really made of. Sometimes it's the hardest times that you, that you find out what's really in you when you get squeezed. You know, everybody's full of something. When they get squeezed, we find out what they're full of. Are you full of the anointing? Are you full of the presence of God? When something bad happens, what's your response? Is your response to cuss or pray? Maybe cuss then pray. Pray with cuss words in it. I don't know. What are you full of? It was Peter and John walk, just walking to church. Walking to church, walking to the temple. They saw a guy. He was asking for money. He was lame, hadn't walked. 40 years, had never walked. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. Did you know, watch this. Did you know Jesus commanded his disciples when he sent them out two by two, he commanded them to take no money? Take one jacket, no money. Wherever they open the door for you, walk in there. If they don't open the door for you, dust your feet off at them. If they feed you, eat. If they don't fast, take no money. No power. Money is power. Money is the ability to have choices. If you've got no money, you've got no choices. You take what you get. Beggars can't be choosers. The more money you have, the more choices you have. 
Jesus did not want his disciples having the choice to throw money at a problem. These were business guys. Jesus picked business guys. People that understood what, mean, what it was to have means. Tax collectors. Scholars. Fishermen. Business guys. Don't take any money. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, they, and he grabbed this guy's, it's a cripple. He grabs his arm and yanks him. Listen, I don't recommend you yank on cripples unless you know what you've got to give. That's some confidence of what he carried inside of him, of what he was full of. Paul and Silas in jail, chained up, bad situation. What's in them? Worship. Worship. They, 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 were, they weren't sitting there filming the prison guards. This is going to go viral. You just wait. You just wait. Those chains are too tight. You, what, what's your name, officer? Give me your badge number, officer. Put this on TikTok. Snapchat. Oh, man. What are you full of? I want to teach you something that I've learned. I want to teach you how to open heaven. Would that be interesting to you? To know how to open heaven. Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, pray this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and everywhere he went, he opened heaven. Everywhere Jesus went, he ushered the presence, the condition, the reality of heaven into the earth. He told us to pray the same way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. Be the gate of heaven. Be the opening to heaven. I'm going to show a couple different verses to you. The first verse I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you two verses together, and I want to help you understand the difference and the distinction and the connection. These two verses are not going to look like they're connected, but you're going to see a connection when I'm done. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the famous passage on tithing, connected to the curse of God being in your life or the blessing of God being in your life. Tithing, if you don't know, is when you give God the first tenth of any of your increase. The first tenth of your, of your increase, the Bible says, belongs to God. And when you give God the first tenth, he has a promise connected to it. Watch. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse or the church that there may be food in my house. The house of God needs to have resources, so God commands bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough to store it. So obedience to God in regards to tithing opens the door for the floodgates of heaven to pour out into your life and there be a blessing so much that you can't contain it. 
but this is not a message about tithing. I'm just showing you a principle that works. And I'm going to tell you this. If it works in tithing, it works in other things. If it works with money, it works with other things. Money is just a tangible thing that we can recognize, that we can do math with. But Jesus, in that passage I just read to you a few minutes ago, that says, give and it shall be given unto you. That's about tithing, but it's about way more than that. Whatever you give will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Because that passage is not only about money. That passage is about everything. It's about charity. It's about judgment. It's about condemnation. It's about mercy. That whatever you give, whatever you sow, you reap. You need to work. I need mercy in my life. So I give lots of mercy because I want lots of mercy. I don't want to give judgment. I don't want to give curse. I don't want to speak bad over people. Why? Because I don't want to receive that. I want to speak blessing because that's what I want to receive. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap. In the same measure you sow it, it'll be measured back to you. This is the, the, the word of God. Now let's look at this passage. In Malachi, it says, if you obey God with the tithe, he'll open heaven. This next story, we find Jesus walking out into the wilderness to find his cousin John. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. John is baptizing. He has a message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Lamb of God is coming to take away the sins of the world. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I'm not even willing, or I'm not even good enough to tie his sandals. That's how the one that's coming after me is. Jesus shows up to where his cousin is baptizing. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus had never sinned. Water baptism was representative of repentance and forgiveness of sin. Jesus had no need for repentance or forgiveness of sin. He had never sinned. He didn't have need to have his sins washed away. There's only one reason that Jesus was out there. His father told him to go. So he went. Jesus literally said, I only do what my father tells me to do. I only say what my father tells me to say. Jesus was the representative of the father on the earth. Everything he did was the father. Everything he said was the father. Everything he did was in obedience to God the father. So he says, let it be so now. We need to obey this. We need to do this, John. It's proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented as soon as Jesus was baptized. He went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting and remaining on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What did Jesus do? He obeyed his father. What happened? Heaven opened. 
what did, the, what did God command the Israelites to do? Obey his commandment with tithe. And what happened? Heaven opened. Test me in this. What am I saying? I'm saying that when God, if you want overflow in your life, if you want open heavens in your life, the number one thing that you need to do is whatever you feel like God is wanting you to do. If you'll just obey. Well, what do you mean, Joel? What should I obey? Well, you should start with the Bible. But how about the nudge of the Holy Spirit in your life? How about that little nudge that says, go over and talk to this person. Go over and say something. Go and, oh, and give to this person. Go and pray with this person. I'm telling you, some of the most incredible experiences in my life with open heavens have been when I obeyed a little bitty nudge inside of my heart that I could have easily talked myself out of. And honestly, I had it many times. Talked myself out of. Because it seemed awkward. Seemed crazy. You want me to go? I mean, there was one time I was out on a jog and I, I'm running. And it was, I was marathon training. So I'm nine miles in to this training run. And the Lord's like, I, I, I ran past this like grandma that was walking. And, and, and the Lord's like, go talk to her and pray for her. And I'm like, I'm, I'm shirtless. I'm, I'm drenched. I, I'm, I'm sweating so much. It's, you ever sweated so much your pants are wet? I was wet pants sweaty. And you want me to talk and pray with grandma? Ooh, grandma's gonna be freaked out. And I'm, try, and I'm trying to ignore it. I'm like, no, God, I'm not, no. And I, and I literally, I turned around. I'm like, fine. You wanna embarrass me, Father? This is what you like to do? You wanna make me look stupid in public at the park over here at Ridgeview? You want, is that what you want? And so I go running up to the grandma and I'm mad at God. And I said, hey, I don't mean to startle you. I don't wanna scare you. But I really felt like the Lord wanted to pray wanted me to pray for you, tell you how much he loved you. And she begins to cry. She says, are you an angel? <laughs> I mean, I looked really good. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. And she says, you have no idea how bad I need this. And I prayed with grandma and she thanked me. And it was, she, she even wanted to hug me. Poor grandma. I was so sweaty. But what it did in my life to realize all I did was obey God in a little bitty thing. A little bitty thing. Heaven opened. You got to share the love. When you're in the presence of God, my, my mom used to say it like this. My mom would say that God speaking in your life is like water running through a pipe. When God speaks in your life, as long as you keep letting it flow out of your life, you keep the water flowing, God keeps speaking. But if you dam it up, if you stop up that pipe, You'll stop the flow of God's voice in your life. I mean, thank God for a, for a mom that would teach me how to hear the voice of God. Thank God for that. I was in my car. I told you last week that um, uh, the first thing I did when I gave my life to the Lord at 17, came back to the Lord, is I began to worship. I began to turn my car into a worship center. I began to turn my car into a place where I would go and escape and be alone with God. And I would literally having conversations and talking and praying and worshiping and all this. And people had to think I was nuts because I'm in the car talking. This is before headsets. This is back in the, in the early 90s. This is before hands-free. This is before Bluetooth speakers. This, this is a dude just talking to himself like a crazy man in the car. I didn't care. I was so desperate for the presence of God. And, 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 and now I'm, I'm on my third car. I'm, I'm in my, 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 my mid-20s. 
And I've had this habit of my car being a sanctuary for eight, nine years now. And I pulled up to my business. We had a second floor business in Plano and we had 5,000 square feet. I was a professional martial artist at the time. And, and, I, and I pull up into my parking space and I, I literally had just been in the, in the car just worshiping and had this incredible encounter. In fact, I, I, had, um, I was praying in the spirit and I felt my prayer language change. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I'm praying in my own prayer language and I felt it shift and it became very declarative. And I, and I really felt like God was, was trying to say something to me. The Bible talks about the gift of, of, of praying in a, in a whole a heavenly language. He talks about the gift of interpretation. That's in your Bible. It's actual real stuff that's in your Bible. And I had a moment where I felt like God wanted to talk to me. And I was saying things out of my mouth that I, that I didn't understand, but I, I, I had the, the courage to say, God, will you interpret that? Will you, will you tell me what you're saying to me? And a word popped into my head and I mustered up the courage to say that one word out loud in my car. And all of a sudden, I began to just declare this. It just came out of me, this declaration of God speaking to me about me and what he wanted to do in me and what I was called to do. And it was so much more than, than what I was living in right now. And he had a ministry for me and a calling. And, and he was calling me into ministry. And I'm, I'm a business guy just trying to run a business and be profitable and open up franchises and all that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, I'm having a God encounter in my car. And I'm wiping away tears. And it was just, I mean, the presence of God was so thick in my Holy Ghost Honda. And I get out of my car and I'm wiping the tears. I'm trying to pull myself together because I am a professional martial artist. I fight for a living. I'm supposed to be a tough guy. And I'm crying in my car. And, and, and it was second floor, so I hit the first step and the Lord says to me, now go tell Alex what just happened. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> no way. I said out loud, no way. Alex was one of my employees. Alex was a devout atheist. Devout atheist against the things of God. Second step, I said, tell Alex what just happened. I stopped, no, no. It's enough I'm crying, God. It's enough I look like an idiot. I feel like an idiot, no. Third step, I said, go tell Alex what just happened. Fine. You wanna make me look like an idiot? You wanna embarrass me? That's what you want, Father? Fine. Walk up the stairs, I'm mad. I'm mad throwing stuff around on my desk. I sit down. Alex walks in. First thing, Alex walks in. What's up, boss? Sit down, Alex. <laughs> he thinks he's in trouble. Comes in and sits down. I said, I got to talk to you. He goes, okay. And I just let him have it. I just tell the whole thing. Praying in tongues. God gives me interpretation. I mean, to an atheist? You're going to talk about, I mean, for crying out loud, you can run lots of denominations off by talking about tongues. Some of y'all might never come back today. At least you didn't get up and walk out. That's really awkward when that happens. That happens sometimes. People just get up and look at you, dust their feet off. I tell him the whole thing. He's sitting there, eyes big. He said, well, what did he tell you to do? I said, he told me to talk to you, Alex. He told me to talk to you. And Alex lowered his head, looked at the floor for a second. He said, you know, I've been thinking about how I need to get right with God. Right there in my office, what I thought was gonna be an embarrassment, what I was mad at God about, turned into one of the most incredible experiences where now I'm leading my employee to Jesus because I shared a story 
about a Holy Spirit encounter. What could happen if you started sharing your encounter with God with other people? What could happen if you begin in your own life, begin to share the experience, your testimony? Did you know that when you share your testimony, it lends your faith to someone else? When you share what God is doing and saying in your life, you're literally giving a portion of your faith to someone else to help them believe for themselves. Your testimony is powerful. What God has done in your life, what God has said to you, you're sharing what God is doing. It's one of the most important things, and it's what makes you shine the brightest. And it's the only way that Oaks is ever going to become the church that God has designed for it to become is if we as the people of God shine the light of God and share what he's doing in our lives share what he's saying to us share his love with other people around us at the grocery store at the Starbucks in your cubicle wherever what if I get fired what if you get fired you don't think Jesus is going to open up a better door for you I I mean Every single one of the disciples, every single one of them went to prison for their faith, were killed for their faith. John is the only one, the youngest one, John, the only one that didn't die a martyr's death. He died of old age, but he had his eyes burned out. He was stoned, but they couldn't kill him. They boiled him in oil, couldn't kill him. We're worried about getting fired. And Jesus' original followers knew that it was a death sentence. Oftentimes that's why the Christian church is so much more powerful in other countries. Because it could be a death sentence. And the level of faith you have to have to be a Christian in China, the level of faith you have to have to be a Christian in India, the level of faith you have to have to be a Christian in the Middle East, very different been in our cushy little suburbs. He's called us to shine. My challenge to you is for you to share his love, for you to share your experience, for you to share what God is speaking to you. Get in the presence of God. Write down what God is impressing and inspiring you in your life and begin to pray. If you would just pray this one thing, Father, show me this week who to share. Show me today who I can share this with. Show me today. If all you ever did every single day, get in your Bible and read until you found something really interesting to you and then pray one prayer. Father, show me who to share this with today. It would change everything about your life because all of a sudden your spiritual life wouldn't be about what you can get. Your spiritual life would be about what you can give. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a preacher. I wasn't a pastor. I didn't have a pulpit. I didn't, I didn't have an altar. I didn't have any of that. I had, a, I had a Honda Civic. And I was a business person. And God began to use me in incredible ways. My students started getting healed, saved, families being restored. Simply because I was willing to shine. What could happen if you were willing to shine? What can happen if you're willing to ask God, Father, show me who to share this with. Show me who to, sh- who, show me who to share my story with. Show me who, and you begin to pray for those people. What if, what if you begin to invite those people and they came on the 30th for Haunted House and had an incredible encounter with God and all of a sudden you had a disciple. Someone that you could begin to share, teach, encourage, change your life forever. We pray for you, Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your strength. 
Father, I ask you that you would provoke us to be sharers of your good news. I ask you that you would provoke us to be the people of God that are willing to speak and declare your word to shine your light. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.